down and you don't feel very much hope and you feel discouraged, I want you to know that God sees you. He sees your hurt. He sees your heart. And he's there. And at just the right time, he's going to help you and lead you and guide you. And he wants you just to reach out to him in faith and in hope. On this journey that God takes us on and that he took the Jews on, we discover on this journey that it takes faith. We looked at absolute trust. And we learned that the journey itself might not always be fun. Sometimes road trips are fun. Sometimes they're a drag. I mean, believe me, I drove to Phoenix, Arizona last year to see my parents at Christmas. That was not a fun trip. Uh, it was fun there, but not on the trip. I put my parents in a bad light, okay? But, uh, you know, sometimes the trip's not fun. But the trip matters because God's using the trip. He's using the journey to shape us, to grow us, to change us into the people that he wants us to be. And then last week we talked about how important it is to wait on God, not to take things into our own hands in our own timing. And today we're talking about don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. And I, I'm going to need a volunteer. And I want to know someone here, who, who here has had just like a really, really stressful week? It's been a really brutal week for you. All right, uh, Chris, you want to come up? Come on up here. Need you come on up here with me. We're going to go up here on the stage. It's going to be, we're not going to embarrass you in any way. In fact, you're going to like this. So come on up. We're going to go around to the sturdy stairs because I don't want you to get hurt. And uh, come on up on the stage. And uh, just want to give you like a treat, give you a little break right now. And uh, it's, it's going to be the easiest volunteer job you've ever had. So I want you to sit in this easy chair. Relax. Kind of sit down, get comfortable. No trick, no tricks to it. Not a gag chair. Got a little lever here. Oh, sorry. You can. Oh man, and if you want, look, show them. It goes way back. Like, we can sleep. Sorry, because you've had a tough week. There you go. And uh, we know, we know that when you're relaxing, maybe you need a little comfort food. Be careful when you open that. It might have got shaken just a little. Some little sparkling water there for you. And uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what your preferences are, but we've got some Fritos and some Sun Chips for you, some comfort food. Feel free to eat those. Don't, don't worry about what they think. Okay. This is about you right now. Got a Snickers candy bar. Oh, man. And a remote. Every guy in a chair needs a remote, right? Yeah, well, you know, just for, you know, it's the reflex, you know, habit. Right? You pretend like you're muting me. I know you think you. All right, so we just want you to be comfortable, all right? Sit back. Now, Now look at your feet. Feel comfortable? All right, you can eat if you want. Now, I want you to look at this guy right here. Chris is awesome, man. I love this guy, and he loves the Lord, and he's, he's got a busy life. He works hard. But right now, does he look like somebody who's ready to change the world? <laughs> does he look like somebody who's ready to... To, to, you know, answer God's call and serve and make a difference in the community. Now, he's a great guy. He's got a good heart. But he's, he's, and he, he doesn't look like somebody. I'm, I'm going to walk back around. You just stare here. He doesn't look like somebody who's, who's ready to go, who's ready to live his life on purpose, to love Christ and love others. And, you know, we all need the chair sometimes. Nothing wrong with being in the chair. But sometimes we get too comfortable. Sometimes we get stuck in that comfortable life. And uh, that's what we want to talk about today. We don't want to get too comfortable. Now, Chris, you're welcome to stay up there during the whole service if you like. I don't know if you can stay awake if you stay up there. I couldn't, but I don't know if you can stay awake if you stay up there. You're welcome to stay there or you can sit back down. I don't know if it feels weird up there, but, uh, you know, kind of blessed. Kind of Maybe you should, uh, you know, check in at Crossroads right now in your easy chair, right? But um, uh, thank you for uh, volunteering, by the way. Now, um, God has asked us on this journey. He's called us on this journey. <laughs> He's called us on this journey together. And uh, you know, you know what's dangerous about the easy chair? You know what's dangerous about the chair? It's not the it's not the stuff you do in the chair that's dangerous. It's the stuff you don't do. When you get stuck in the chair, it's the relationships you never deepen. It's the prayers you never pray. It's the races you never run, the battles that you were made for that you never get into. And so sometimes you miss out on some of the things when you get stuck in the chair a little too long. Now, don't get me wrong. We all need the chair sometimes, right? 
I mean, sometimes we all, God said we need a day of rest. We need, we need some time to recharge. We need, to, we need the chair for a little while so that we can really live. Are you with me? But if we get stuck in the chair, if we start living for the chair, hey man, my life's so hard, I just work so stinking hard all week, but man, I'm going to make it one day and then I'm just going to live in the chair. I'm just going to take it easy the rest of my life. I'm going to check out. And if you start living for the chair, you got it backwards. The chair is to help us to really live. So we don't want to get stuck in the chair. You were made to spend your life on a wild and exciting and uncomfortable road trip with God. And before we move further into the message, I want us to look at our last, our last video clip from our road trip that kind of sets it up. So we're going to hear from Pastor Paul to set up our, uh, our story today. I was going to let uh, Chris do it with the remote, but God, hand it back over. <laughs> Father of Christ, that's our promised land, so to speak. 
But there's a lot of parallels in, in the Jews' journey. Look what, what Moses, God reminded Moses, hey, I brought you out of Egypt. Look what I did to the Egyptians. And then he says, I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God's like, I'm, I'm about this relationship with you. I'm bringing you into this relationship. And if you obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples. You will be my kingdom of priests. Now, you underline, we underline that phrase, you'll be my kingdom of priests. It's funny because it says the same thing in the New Testament. It says God has called us to be his priests. In fact, you might write in the margin there, you might write 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. You might want to look that up. God says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. And he has a purpose for us as his priests. Now, have you ever thought that you, God called you to be a priest? I mean, what does that mean? i got to shave my head and wear a robe and, uh, you know, give a vow of poverty and celibacy and go live in a monastery and just, you know, I, I kind of remove myself from the world or I just live in the church all the time? What, what does that mean? Well, here's what a priest does. Here's what a priest's job is. A priest represents God to the people and the people to God. He's like an intermediary. He's a representative. In the New Testament, it's called an ambassador. Like someone who represents, hey, we pray for people. We talk to God about people. And then we, we help tell people about God. We're like the intermediary. We represent God to people and people to God. And we have to be clear, when God said he's going to call the Jews as a special treasure, his chosen people, he wasn't saying he only loved the Jews and he didn't care about everyone else. He said, I've called you to be my people. These were people who had some faith. And he said, I've called you not just for you, but to be a blessing to the whole world. That was his initial call or plan for the Jews, that they would be a light to all the other nations around them. And it was a, it was a lot of privilege that went with that, of being God's chosen people, but it was also a responsibility to represent well. And in the same way that God sent the Israelites as Savior, he sent Moses to lead them out, God sent Jesus to lead us out of slavery to sin, to die on the cross for us and to set us free. And so as you and I journey on this pursuit of following Christ, on this road trip of life that we're on, he's called you and me to be his priests, to represent him to others and to represent people to God. And so our job is to be a great representative. And I want you to understand, this is God's purpose for us. In fact, it's the very vision of our church. Our vision is to lead seekers, to love Christ, love others, to live life on purpose. We want to be God's representatives to lead other people into a relationship with Jesus. And it's so important that we know what our purpose is in life. Know what our purpose is, because if we don't, we're going to drift, and eventually we're going to wind up somehow or other living for our comfort. You know, 23 years ago, when Pastor Paul and his wife Karen started Crossroads, uh, they went down to Lake Elizabeth with a camera, and they just interviewed people walking around the lake, and they said, hey, what is your purpose in life? And a lot of people, they were like, uh, I kind of stammer and stutter, you know. Some people said, oh, you know, my, my purpose is to be happy. Or my purpose is to enjoy life as much as I can, or to love my family. And all those things are good things. But they didn't really, you know, they just didn't know for sure what clearly they were living for. But Paul said there was one teenager. You know, never underestimate the power of a student who's devoted to Christ. And he looked right in the camera and he said, my purpose in life is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as possible. It's basically our purpose. What God has called us to do is live for Christ and be his representatives. And so here, here at the Hayward campus, God has called you and me to be his priests in Hayward. And you may, you may live in Hayward, you may live you know, in a nearby community, but God's called us to be his priests here. Do you believe that? Do you believe God? We're not here just so we can come and worship. We have a purpose. God's called us here to represent him. And I want to tell you something. I don't live in Hayward I don't know Hayward really well, but I've been trying to find out about Hayward. I've been trying to learn about Hayward. And one thing I'm very convinced of, Hayward needs a church like Crossroads desperately. I don't see too many other churches uh, intentionally going after people and trying to lead them to Christ. And Hayward desperately needs a church like Crossroads to show them God's love and lead them to love Christ, to accept them where they are and lead them along and answer their questions and do life together. You know, in Hayward in particular, um, I, still get, I still get the newspaper. I know most of you guys think that's pretty weird, but I still get the newspaper. 
I get the San Jose Mercury News, and every Friday they tuck in a little section called the Argus, which is about Fremont and Hayward and Union City. It used to be a daily paper. And two weeks ago, the front of the, that little Argus section was all about the Tennyson card. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Hayward is saying, we need to focus on this corridor. They said from Mission to 880 on Tennyson. And uh, we need to focus on this area. Now, we're just across that on this side of 880. But I, I, when we did our door hangers, I met these people in the park who are here from Chabot College. They're partnering with Hayward. They want to help this community. They're seeing this as that part of that community, too. And they're saying, this part of Hayward especially needs some help. Needs some love, needs some hope, needs some... And, and Tuesday night, the council meeting is having a special session to talk about the Tennyson Quarter. So I don't live in Hayward, but I'm planning to go Tuesday night. If any of you want to join me, feel free. But I want to find out, what are, they, what are they trying to do? I want to let them know we're here. I want to let them know that, hey, we're small right now, but we want to make a difference. And as one of God's priests, one of his teachers or prophets, I need to challenge you with what it means for us to be God's priests here. See, in the Old Testament, sometimes the priests or the prophets, they didn't want to upset the people. They didn't want to make them uncomfortable. They didn't want to upset them and, and tell them things they really didn't want to hear. They just wanted to keep them happy so they could keep their job and, and be comfortable themselves. That makes sense? In Lamentations, God said this. He said, your prophets did not save you from exile. See, God's going to lead the Jews into their promised land, but one day, because of the Jews' unfaithfulness, God allows them to be defeated and most of them taken into exile in another country for a season. He said, your prophets did not save you from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted false pictures filling you with false hope. They didn't tell you what you really needed to hear. They just wanted to keep you happy. And I, I, I want to tell you today, we need to talk to us about a few things together as God's priests here in Hayward. And you might not like to hear some of them. And, but I'm going to shoot straight with you, okay? I don't want to be one of these prophets or priests or teachers who doesn't say what you need to hear. So the first thing, I'm going to ask you today, on your outline there, I'm going to have some big asks today. I have to be careful I would say that. Big asks. So we're going to have some big asks. first thing I'm going to ask you to do is we invite three people this week to come to church next week. You've got some invite cards in your program. I think we gave each of you three while, while we were... Getting ready for the service today, I slipped away over to, uh, I think it's Carl's Jr. is at the nearest fast food place up there. Got a cup of coffee. Not very good coffee, but I got a cup of coffee. And, and the lady at the cash register was so friendly and so nice, and I said, how's your day going? So, well, it's not too bad. You know, you're early. It's, I go, I don't know if we're here early every Sunday or not, but, you know, you really seem like a great person. I want to invite you to come check out our church. We meet right down the street at Mount Eden, and I gave her one of those cards. That's all you gotta do. Nobody's ever gotten mad. And I've had a few people say they didn't want it. I said, okay, thanks, appreciate your honesty, but nobody's ever gotten mad. I walked away with my coffee and she's reading the card. She's curious. Yeah, that's it, that was a little square card on your program. And uh, maybe you got some neighbors or coworkers or family members. We're kicking off a new series next week and I wanna encourage you to invite someone to come join us. It's gonna be a series all about us, who we are as a church, and our, how messy we are, but how devoted we are to Christ and following Him. We're just real people just like everybody else. But I want to tell you, you're not doing your job as a priest if you don't tell somebody about your faith and invite somebody to church. You're not doing your job. You have to, so I'm challenging you, we make a commitment to invite three people. And you can add one more thing there, it's not on your outline, but just right off to the side, flea market. See, a couple Saturdays, Saturday, September 22nd, there's going to be the band here. They do a fundraiser. They do a flea market out in the parking lot. It only costs 20 bucks to have a table. I want us to have a table. I don't know if we sell some or just give some away. I don't really care. But when people come by, I want us to just talk to them and say, hey, you know what? We have a, we have a service that meets right there, a church service that meets right there uh, on Sundays. So maybe you can be a part of helping us on that Saturday. You can sign up. Why? Why am I asking you to get out of your comfort zone risk someone laughing at you or making fun of you or embarrassing yourself or stumbling over your words. Why am I asking you to invite somebody? Because our God is worthy of my worship and my heart. He's worthy of getting out of our comfort zone. So next fill in there on the outline. My God is worthy. And you know, I just heard this morning, I, I don't know all the details, I haven't even digested it, but it hits me a little bit because I have a 10th grader 
So I, I was talking to some of the ladies this morning, and they heard that a tenth grader, normal kid, good student, overdosed on drugs and died right out here Friday. You know, maybe that kid just needed somebody to tell him that God loves him, that God cares. And God's put you in people's lives to be his representative. And uh, you don't know what's going on in people's hearts. On the outside, they look like they got it all together. But everybody needs God. So I want to challenge you. It matters. God's worthy of that. God, God in, in one of these talks with Moses, God revealed his nature to Moses. This is a beautiful passage. It says that God said to Moses, the Lord... The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. That's a picture of God's grace and his love and his mercy. But then he says, I do not excuse the guilty. You know, one day God's going to hold us to account. Yet there's justice. And this God who's worthy of our worship, he loves us. He sacrificed his son for us. But, and he's at work in this world to bring people, sinners like you and me, into a relationship with him. But he says, one day, the time will run out. There's going to come a time where we have to answer. And we don't have forever. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you know, you're feeling like, man, I don't know. My marriage is in trouble. My finances are in trouble. My kids are in trouble, my jobs, and my, you know, everything, my health. Maybe you just feel like you're in trouble. And you feel like maybe it's too late. And I want to tell you, as long as you're here on earth, as long as you're breathing, it's not too late. You can repent, you can turn to God, and you can begin to work on whatever issues are going on in your life. But one day there's going to come a time when there's no more time. And it breaks my heart when I think about this 10th grade. I don't know this person, I don't know what's going on in his life, but my youngest son's in 10th grade. So I can't imagine... I mean, he looks like just a normal kid. We're trying to share Christ. I can't imagine if he ODed on drugs. I, I just I can't wrap my head around that. And God goes on to say, I laid the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. Now, God's not saying he punishes our children for our sins. We all have to answer for our own sins. But if you think about it, most people who are alcoholics, most people who abuse other people, you know, hit people, hit their wife, hit their kids. Most people who have addictions or who have issues in life. Most of those people, not all, can see they grew up in a family where some of that pattern went on and it gets passed down from father and mother to their kids. And God said, parents, wake up. You don't want to, your, your sin is bigger than you and you don't want to pass this lifestyle on to your kids. You know, the beautiful thing about God I've seen so many people who come from these patterns of abuse and addictions and neglect and laziness and whatever. I've seen people come from these families when Christ comes into their life and they begin to respond and grow, totally turns their life around and then the lives of their children. And one day, uh, I hope you get a chance to hear Pastor Paul's whole story. It's just amazing what God has done in his life and how he's broken those patterns in his family the way he grew up. And so God, God warns Moses, and then what is Moses' response? It says he immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. You know, God says, this is who I am. And, and Moses has this encounter with God, and he just, he gets real uncomfortable. You ever got down on the ground like you were worshiping? It's not comfortable, especially in your 50s. It's not comfortable, let me tell you. You get down and you know you worship, and you need a chiropractor, right? Right, honey? For some of you, worship means music. That's worship. Like, that's, that's what worship is to you. And I think worship is an important part of, of uh, music is an important part of worship. It helps us to express our heart and our emotions. But worship is far more than that. For some of you, worship is coming to the church on Sunday or Saturday night or whatever you do. But you go to the church to worship God together. And uh, when you go to the service, you hope you get something out of it. You're going to get something. And, and I hope every time you go to a service that you always get something. You get encouraged or inspired or convicted. I hope God gives you what you need and challenges you. But you know, the real heart of worship is not coming to get, but it's coming to give. Does that make sense? You're coming to give yourself. You recognize who God is and you, you bow down at his feet and say, you're God, you're my creator. You're worthy of my, my devotion and my sacrifice. And you're worthy of me getting uncomfortable sometimes. Because you matter. 
the, the one of the definitions of, of the root of the, the word worship is, is means it's worthy or worthy ship. He's worthy of our devotion. But write this definition down. Worship is honored with extravagant love and extreme submission. God, I love you so much. I'll do anything for you and I submit my life to you in every area of your life. And again, you say, well, why, why do I have to give God all of my life? Because he's worthy. And because he sacrificed his son on the cross so that we can be forgiven. Another definition of the word worship comes from Greek. It literally means to blow a kiss towards heaven. To blow a kiss. So, you know, you think about blowing a kiss towards God. And, uh, you know, I love my wife. We've been married over 20 years. And uh, we've been friends for a little longer than that. And, uh, you know, some days she leaves most days at 6.45. She gets home at 6. I get home like, I leave a little later. I get home like 8.30 or 9 a lot. So it's long days where we just don't see each other. And I get home and I love to come home. And right away I want to get all my stuff dropped off and put, put down. And then I want to go sit by her and give her a snuggle and a kiss. And, you know, just let her know I miss her. Let her know I care about her. Now, can I tell you that's reserved for my wife alone? I might miss you, but I'm not going to come in your house and set all my stuff down. And come. You know, if I, if I were kissing and snuggling other women, I'd have some problems when I got home, right? I'd be in trouble. It's an exclusive relationship. And that's what God wants us to have an exclusive relationship with Him. He, he wants us to keep Him first in our life. So that's what we're going to look at is how do we keep God first? What does this look like? In Romans, Paul says, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his blood shed for your sins. Paul says, because of what he's done for you, he's worthy of your whole life. He said, let, let, them, let your bodies, your very life, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, worship and giving back to God and offering is more than bringing money. It's giving your very life, your heart, your being, your energy. That's how we worship God. He's worthy. So to keep God first, the first thing we have to do, number one, is I will prioritize my time. I'll prioritize my time. And prioritize is a word we all kind of know what it means, but I thought, man, what exactly is the definition of prioritize? And I looked it up and it says to treat someone or something as more important than others. So if God is your first priority, if he's first in your life, he's called us to be first, then you prioritize him. In Exodus, God tells them, you must worship no other gods. He says, you've got to keep me first. You don't give your worship to anything or anyone else. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You must not make a treaty of any kind with the people living in the land. They will seduce your sons to commit adultery against me by worshiping other gods. Did we underline the phrase, God who is jealous about his relationship with you? You ever thought about that? God's jealous about your affections for him, about your heart for him. Says when you when you pursue other gods or you put other things at higher priority than God, then you're committing spiritual adultery. And God is fighting for your heart. And we, we don't usually think of jealousy as a good thing. We think of it as kind of an ugly thing. But I want you to understand God's heart, his jealousy, his he desires that relationship with you so much. He wants to have first party in his life. And it's not just for his benefit. He knows if he's first in your life, he's going he's gonna to be able to bless you and lead you and guide you in the right way for your life. You know, the, in, in my ministry years, I've done over 50 weddings. I've never gotten to the vows when someone said, you know, I promise to love, honor, cherish, and be faithful to you Monday through Friday. But I want the weekends to be free to play the field. I've never heard, I've never seen that in a, you know, vows. In the same way, marriage is an exclusive relationship, and God is jealous about his love for you. He's why He knows your heart. It's kind of like this guy. He went shopping with his wife. That doesn't usually end well for most of us guys. He's shopping with his wife. And uh, he just can't get her to leave. Come on, honey, let's go. We've been here long enough. He's waving her to the front. She's just back there shopping. He's so exasperated. And finally, this beautiful woman walks up to the register behind him. And he sees this lady. He goes, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Could you talk to me for just a few moments? 
she's a little suspicious. Like, oh, what, 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 why do you want to talk to me? What's that about? And he goes, oh, don't worry. You talk to me for just a few seconds, my wife will be up here talking to me real soon. She had that jealous heart, right? She's watching. Well, God's watching your heart. He knows. He wants you to put him first. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, the big ask. First, I want to ask you to worship daily. And every day we get up and just recognize that it's some point in your morning. You start your day, just recognize, man, God, I love you. You can literally get down on the floor. You can sit in a chair and picture it in your heart. Open your hands. Just, God, you're, I want to keep you first today. Help me because everything around you is going to be pulling you away from me. And you, you learn to read God's word and, and spend a little time in God's word and let it get into your heart and you, you pray and talk to God. And then I want to challenge you to worship weekly. Worship weekly. Do you know that uh, statistics, they, they do studies of people, you know, for all kinds of things, people who go to church. Do you know the average Christian today goes to church about once a month? About once a month. Now coming to church is not what makes us right with God. But we need this time to kind of correct us. Pastor Paul put it like this. He said it's like uh, having the, you ever been bowling with your kids and you put the bumpers up? And you throw the ball down. I, that's fun. I like bowling with the bumpers. No gutter ball, right? But you think about it in life. I need some correction. I need, I need some things to keep me on the path. You think about it in life. You're trying to follow God's path. You're trying to pursue God. You're trying to keep him first. And you just start getting pulled a little bit away. Just a few, a few degrees away, right? It's, it, most people don't fall away from God suddenly. It's a, it's a slow process. And so over time, if you keep drifting, what's going to happen? After a few months, you're going to be far away from God. And coming to church is kind of like spiritual bumpers. You know, you put them there, and you hit the bumpers, and it keeps you from putting your life in the gutter. Helps keep you in the lane. Helps keep you in the path. And we need each other. And I want to encourage you. Make it that habit in your life. You know what? You know what happens? I mean, this morning, 49ers are playing. I don't know how many of you are. 40, how many 49ers fans do we have? All right, we're the minority, right? How many, how many Raiders fans do we have? Oh, I don't know who the rest of you like. You don't care about football. <laughs> I'm all excited, right? First game, and they're playing right now. And you know what? I know some people won't go to church because their team is on the TV, or their team is, you know. Be your college team, whatever, another sport, but they won't. And that, you know what they're doing? They're blowing a kiss to the Niners. They're blowing a kiss to the Raiders. Sounds kind of silly, right? You know, I, I know some parents who love the Lord and they love their kids, and their kids start getting uh, more and more activities. And if they get advanced in sports or band or things, then they start having these weekend long events, right? And you get on the travel team. That's a big deal in baseball or soccer or cheerleading. You're on the travel team. And your kids are tied up every weekend with these events all weekend. And, oh, I just can't go to church anymore. about all this. I'm blowing kisses to my, oh, I'm going to kill myself up here. <laughs> you, get, you know, you're going to, they're blowing kisses to their kids' teams. Or maybe you like to sleep in on Sunday. You know, it's the only day I can sleep in. Uh, God understands. I'll, I'll make it there once this month. You know? <laughs> And we let all these other things, they're not bad things, but when they take God's place, we, again, we go to church because we need, we, need God's, we need God's help and God's people around us to help lead the spiritual bumpers for us. I need that, and you need that. And sooner or later, you keep blowing kisses to other things, and, and God's just not a big part of your life anymore. There was a lady who came to Crossroads uh, her, uh, years back. Her name was Debbie. And she came into the church. She and her family were such a mess. They were desperate. And God started working in their life and changing them. Then we poured into them. And one day, uh, Paul and I went over to Safeway. We ran into this lady. We said, where have you been? What happened? We haven't seen you. How's things going? And she said, you know, we were on such a good track. We got into the church. We were following God. We gave our life back where it centered where it needed to be. We got comfortable. We stopped going to church. And she said, that's when everything went to hell. My life just went and fell apart. So often I sit with someone in my office, they need some counseling. Usually when somebody calls you, they never sit down and talk to you, and they need to talk, it's usually, uh-oh, what's going on? They're either moving away or there's a big problem in their life, right? 
And I sit down with people who I know they love God. I've seen it in their life, but, but they've allowed other things to start to take priority in their life. They start blowing kisses to so many other things that, oh, we can't, we can't make it to church. We can't do that. And something happens. They get comfortable. They get complacent. They compromise. And they crash. You and I need to commit to meeting together. And we also need each other. The other aspect I want to add, uh, say here is connect in a life group. Connect in a life group. Get in a small group that meets during the week where you got people that will fight with you to help you. It sounds like, it sounds like my family holiday dinner. I don't mean they're going to fight with you. I mean they're going to fight for you, right? Fight for you to keep God first in your life. So important. And you can talk to our life group leaders after the service. Or you can look at other options online. We have about 40 groups between the two campuses, so maybe one of those will work for you. Second thing I want to ask you to do, that God asks us to do, I will honor God in my finances. I'm going to keep him first in my finances. Exodus 34, 26, God commands his people, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. You underline that phrase, your very best. Bring God your very best. Don't bring him what's left over after you take care of everything else. Again, what are you blowing your kisses to? Your money, your comfort, the things you want to buy? You know what I've found in my life is I, I've consistently given and tithe uh, for years, and it's amazing to me. It, yes, some other people can do that. But you know, God has blessed me in so many other ways. God doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. But he's called us to worship him. The Bible says tithing and giving back to God helps us to keep God in first place. He's called me to partner with him. He's chosen to work through me and through you and our offerings. That's how he's, cho he's chosen to bring us into this. That's our purpose. He's chosen to work in and through us. And look what it says in, in Exodus 35. It says, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved. Their hearts were stirred, their spirits were moved by their love of God. We don't want you to give out of guilt or obligation, but because you love God, you want to keep him first. Be grateful for his love and mercy. It says they brought their sacred offerings to the Lord, all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of his rituals, and for the sacred garments. So they would bring their offerings, and God would use that. They're, here they are, they're on a road trip, right? And sometimes they would camp for a few weeks, and then they would pack up their camp, and they would move, and God had them build a tabernacle. It's kind of like a portable church. How about that? They would have to set this church up everywhere they go. It even says they had, later you're going to see they had curtains. They had curtains they had to set up to take down and put away, right? I love June because he's so good at getting those curtains back into the thing. I, I can take them down. I can put them up. I can't get them into the box. June's always here, stick tucking them in. Man, he's so good. And um, they, had the, they, they brought their gifts, and God used it to provide this place for them to meet with him. And so they gave back to God. And the thing that struck me is, you know what? It costs money. It costs money to do ministry back in Moses' day. To, to buy the curtains, to provide the things for the rituals, for the sacred garments the priests wore. And it costs money to do ministry today. And they brought their offerings to provide for all the things they needed to use. And so my big ask here is, I'm, not, I'm challenging you. Pray about this. Maybe you can't make this commitment right now. First, I say, can you tithe? Tithing is giving back to God 10% off the top. Now, people say, do I tithe off my gross? Do I tithe off my net? You work that out with God. I tithe off, I tithe off my gross because God's given me all that money for me to take care of my needs and my family. So I want to keep him first and I give back to him. And you might say, well, Dwayne, I just can't do that. I can't do 10%. Okay, I'm, not, I'm, not here to, I don't, I'm here to twist your arm. You pray. You say, God, what, what would you have me give? Maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's $200 a month. I don't know what it is. But giving that first, don't wait till the end of the month to see if you can get it. Give it first. Bring your very best from the first harvest. And give faithfully. Sometimes we, we take special offerings. You know, last week I just mentioned that we're trying to do this mail out. We really didn't have the money for it. We needed about eleven dollars or $12,000. You know, people gave half of what we needed. Last week, that was really nice, $6,000 towards helping get this mail out out to invite people to come to services here in Hayward and in Fremont. I know i got to move, but a little long today, I think. I, I, how am I doing time-wise? Good. Oh, I'm doing okay? All right. You guys awake? Yes. All right, the best part, the most important part, I don't know if it's the best part, but the most important part. Number three, 
This might be the hardest one. Because you know, it's one thing to give money. Sometimes we'd rather give money. It's one thing to give money. I love God. I want to connect with God and worship Him. I love it. It feeds my soul. But number three, I will love God by serving consistently. I'll love God by serving consistently. So here's what happened. People are traveling. God says, I want you to build this tabernacle, a place where my presence can come. And, you know, remember, remember before Christ, God's spirit couldn't live in people. But he was with people. Now, because of Christ, and we've been forgiven. God's spirit lives in us. So we're like the tabernacle. But God said, the people need this tabernacle. And they built it. And he said, and they called people to do the work. And it says, Moses summoned every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work so a couple of things here. I want you to circle every, every skill, just circle every, just every skilled person. And then underline that phrase, willing to come and do the work. Now, in Ephesians, God tells us that everyone is created with abilities. Everyone was created on purpose. God has a purpose. He's, he's planned things that he needs you to do. He thought about you before you were even created. And then the Bible also says when we receive Christ, we receive some spiritual gifts. And he says, I want every skilled person. And some of you are sitting there going, well, I don't have any skills. I can't do anything. I, I guarantee you, every one of you in this room has a skill, something you can do. You have energy and breath and strength. There's something you can do. I remember this lady named Frances Boone. She was about 80 years old. She died. I love that lady. I'm one people I'm looking forward to seeing happen. But Frances Boone came up to me. She used to have fun poking with her cane. You know, I'm an 80-year-old woman. I don't have a lot of strength. I don't have a lot of energy. What can I do for God? You said everybody can do something for God. So, well, Francis, we have a prayer team. Do you like to pray for people? They, they go through the, the needs and pray for people, and they write cards and encourage me. You think you can write a few cards? Yeah, I can do that. You know, she started coming every Tuesday for years she wrote countless cards that just blessed and encouraged I'm praying for you. You're not alone. God remembers you. And God has something that you can do. And he says, it says everyone who is willing to come and do the work. That's the problem. A lot of us aren't willing to come and do the work. But God's calling you. It's not convenient. It's not easy. But hey, we're a portable church. There's some things we got to take care of. Now, I know sometimes you think the Fremont campus has got it, got it made because they don't have to set up on Sundays. But let me tell you, we have a lot of headaches during the week taking care of the building, taking care of things that are broken. There's things that have to be done and repaired and cleaned. We got stuff to do at the Fremont campus too. See, look what it says though. In Exodus 40, it says, Then he hung the curtains, forming the courtyard around the tabernacle on the altar. Now, if you're new here, this, this doesn't usually look like this in here. We usually have curtains up. It kind of creates a nice atmosphere. We... Pull that curtain, some kid tore part of it this week, but we, we just we prepare it in a way that creates an atmosphere where it's easier to come and focus and connect with God. And we set up for the kids' ministry. And it says, as people did their work and they finished the work, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And we want to create a space where people can come and worship. Now, God doesn't reside in the building, He resides in us, but He calls us to meet together. And so we're here at the Hayward campus. We're a portable church, just like Israel was for about 40 years. If you believe that, they traveled around and set up church, you know, for 40 years. Now, of Crossroads in Fremont, I don't most of you weren't here then. I wasn't here then. I've only been at Crossroads about 17 years. But their first six and a half years, they set up in a movie theater. So they set up for six and a half years. And God's, right now, we're, in a, we're a set up church. We're a, we're a portable church. And I need to say something that some of you may not want to hear, but there's a core of people here. I'd say about 25 or 30 people. They serve every week, unless they're sick or on vacation. They serve every week. And they've been doing that for about one and a half years. You know, I'm so proud of them, man. It's a really different feel here today, isn't it? I mean, isn't it nice to come and the it's a little darker and we have the lights and we don't have to look at all that stuff back there and we have more screens. It takes work to make all that happen. You know, they've been doing it for a year and a half and they're not complaining that they're getting tired. They're getting really tired. Because, man, every week they're coming and setting up. And my big ask for you, 
I said, I could really to ask. Would you serve two times a month? Maybe you're not going to set up or tear down. Maybe God's called you to help with the kids. We don't have enough people to help teach our kids. We don't have all the classes we want to have. Maybe God's called you to be on the welcome team. Maybe God's called you to bring refreshments. If there's a flyer in your program, will you take that out? Can I see the flyer? Thank you. I should grab one. There's a flyer in your program, and I want to encourage you to take a moment and look at this. Maybe you need, maybe you can't answer this today. Maybe you need to come home and think about it and pray about it. But I'm asking you to prioritize your time and put God first and say, I'll serve. I'll be a part. Because these people have been setting up, doing a lot of the work. I'd say 25, 30 people have been doing most of the work for a year and a half. Not all of it, but they've been doing most of it. I don't think they can do it another year and a half. I don't think they can do it six or eight more months. I think they're going to burn out. We've already had a few people on the team. They got so worn down. They don't even, and this is, I don't want this to happen to anybody. We don't want anybody to serve so hard. They're so worn down. They don't even want to come to church anymore. So here's some ways you can serve. And we put approximations of the time. And I'm hoping as more people serve, maybe, maybe look at the setup team. If we had more people serving on the setup team, maybe we wouldn't have to show up at 6.30. Maybe we could show up at 7. Another half an hour, right? You know Peter? Peter, and I don't know who else does this, but Peter, I know, every week, he's here from 6.30 for setup through teardown, 12.30. And that guy works hard all week. I'm just using Peter as an example. I hope you don't mind. He's here every week. We had to get him to take a week off last week. I mean, I'm trying to say, would you just come set up, or would you just come tear down? If you've got some strength and energy and ability, you don't have to be super strong or something, but if you can move and you're healthy, you can serve. Or how about on the welcome team, come set up the tables and refresh. I know a lot of you missed the coffee this morning. I saw some of you ran out to the corner uh, gas station to get coffee. Hope you're okay. Everybody sleeping? <laughs> You can be on the welcome team where you write name tags, you greet people, you take the off, you usher people around, you help take care of what comes up. You can be on the media team. They come and help set up all the cables and things and run the PowerPoint. You can be on the, I mean, put the music team on here. Oh yeah, we have music team, okay, good. You know, Will's, Will did a great job today and he sounded fantastic, but it's a lot nicer when we have a whole band up here, isn't it? No offense. <laughs> I think he likes it better too. Uh, people to tear down, put things away, set up the kit. I mean, there's just things. And I didn't, we didn't put life like life group. We have some people lead a life group, so they're serving every week. But is there something you could do? Now you may honestly, there may be a, a few people here. You know, your life is just so out of control. You have some, some responsibilities. Where you may be in a season where you got real little kids and you just can't do a lot right now. But I think most of us, we could serve two kinds of money. And so that's our goal, that we can give some people a week off, that everybody's not having to do all the work. At, uh, this, this core of people is not having to do all the work every week. They love this church. They love this community, but they need some help. Does that make sense? Some of you don't want to hear that, I know, but I, I have to tell you, that's my job. And it's, it's work. I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's work. But you know what? There's some great benefits. You show up and you work with a team, you get connected, you build some friendships, you build some camaraderie. And the beautiful thing is, as you work together, you create this atmosphere, you create this campus. Do you know what God works through us? His spirit shows up in us, and people's lives get changed. This weekend, we're one church, two campuses, right? This weekend in, in Fremont, we're baptizing 16 people. That's because people showed up, they volunteered. I know, we can celebrate that. That means not what saves somebody, but they're saying, man, God's worked in my life and I'm declaring it. He commands us to be baptized. In a few weeks, how many people are interested in being baptized? We have four people interested in being baptized in the, in the Hayward campus. That's awesome. <laughs> guys, that doesn't just happen when one or two people do things. It's when a team of people does stuff. And our team is getting tired that's what I'm saying. Would you serve? Go home, pray about it if you can't commit today. I want you to take it seriously. And you sign up. And our goal is we have teams that serve every other week. And that doesn't mean you can never miss one of your times to serve. 
Just look ahead on your schedule and say, Pam, she leads a welcome team. I'm going to be out of town on the third weekend. Can I trade with somebody? Can you help me find some And you can trade off. No, we're not saying it's like you're an indentured servant or something. You know, no human trafficking here. We're asking you to serve. We're asking to say, can you help? And you get the benefit. So, so when you see people responding to Christ and giving their life to Him, it doesn't matter what your job was. Maybe it was cleaning the bathrooms. Maybe it was setting up the refreshments, making it comfortable for people to come. Maybe it was cleaning things a little bit. You know what? All of that has a part to play in that process of someone coming to Christ. Because I'll be honest, if, I don't know if this is an attractive setting today for somebody to come to. You know? So we all work together to create that environment. So, so as we close, I want to ask you to go back, pull out your outline again for a minute. And, uh, you know, I know some of you are going, man, Dwayne, you're asking me to do a lot. I'm sorry. This is what God asks his people to do. Maybe you can't take all these steps right away. Maybe you need to identify, here's, what, here's the first thing I'm going to do. Here, maybe it's too big a change for you. I don't know. But go look back over at all the big asks. Invite three people. Can you? That, that's not that hard. I know it's a little embarrassing. Put yourself out there and talk to someone, but can you invite three people this week? If you could do that, we just make a little check on your album. I'm not looking at it. You're taking it home with you. I'm not, this is for you. Just say, God, I'll do it. If you can serve at the flea market on Saturday, that'd be helpful. You can just put a check by that. But can you worship daily? God, I, I want to commit to try to spend time with you each day. Or maybe I'll start small, 10 or 15 minutes. I'll read your word and pray and talk to you. Can you worship weekly? No, can you join? It's not just what you can. We we need to meet together. You know, same thing at the Fremont camp. We have about twice, I'd say twice as many people as this who attend here regularly, but this is about a normal crowd meeting. I know everybody can't be here every week, but that's so encouraging when more people show up. Say, can you can you worship weekly? Can you be here to get your spiritual bumper guards? Can you connect in a life group? That takes time too, I know. You've got to work that out. But again, it's worth it. It'll help you to grow. It'll help you to keep God in first place. Can you give faithfully? Put a check. If you can't do it, put a little X. And can you serve two times a month? It matters. You know, there's people out there that need to know that God loves them, that God cares about them, that, that one of the things we say, we say at Crossroads is we want everybody to walk, to walk through those doors to know they're loved and wanted by God. And that takes all of us working together to do that on a consistent basis.